guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. This is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going good. Um, Mondo Macabro sent me the their new Blu-ray, The Inheritors. Ooh. And uh, it's awesome. Wait, um, wait, what is, what is The Inheritors? It is West German Romper Stomper. It is a neo-Nazi exploitation drama holy shit that's but it's filmed in it's made by germans filmed in germany so Mm. it's got that little extra something uh of hey um um we've been here before (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've already uh mapped this one out because we uh, uh we took a trip there and it was really shitty and we feel really bad about it and it's so here's the wildest thing about the inheritors um the director was in a coffee shop one night and a bunch of neo-nazis came in and beat everybody up so then the director like under investigative journalism style made friends with this neo-nazi group and infiltrated them and interviewed all these people and then made a fictional movie dramatizing all of the like things that he learned and exposed holy shit so he he just like catfished some neo-nazis into into spilling their life stories and then using that to make a movie wherein um these abused teenage boys uh turn to fascism because you know that's teenage rebellion in germany in the 1980s right which honestly which is also uh i'm a little uh, agog that you've just referenced romper stomper because uh less than uh half an hour ago i referenced the movie romper stomper while talking to someone um oh, wow because i i had sort of been like i really hate that the line uh from from romper stomper We've come to wreck everything and ruin your life. God sent us. Like, that's such a great line, and I hate that the fucking neo-Nazi gets to say it. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you don't get to say no. cool things <laughs> because you're a Nazi. Exactly. And I think, like, God bless Mondo Macabro for realizing it's 2018. We have this old reel of the Inheritors we could do a, a 2K scan of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, I, I feel like th- this is a really... I, I think we've talked about this before, especially with uh, Kyle, uh, but this is a really good period in which to be a fan of psychotronic movies is, you know, stuff like Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome, and, like, there are so many hidden gems that I never would have seen before unless I had met some guy in the mall parking lot outside Suncoast to pick up shady VHS tapes. And now I can do it and stand less of a chance of getting hepatitis in the process because they'll just release this shit on Blu-ray and it's wonderful. And what's wild is I, I keep thinking we've hit the bottom. We're out of them. And then someone's like, have you seen Ninja Zombie? I'm like, no, let me see that. And then someone's like, Hey, um, here's a YouTube scan of Commander USA hosting Chud. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so even on top of the, oh, I've already seen Chud. Well, have you seen the Commander USA version? <laughs> well, I want to now. Yeah, I didn't until just now. Which also, it's probably some kind of uh, international crime that we on this podcast have ranked and done but uh, Chud to Bud the Chud and not the OG Chud. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. 
when we do movies that have been lampooned on horror host shows, mm-hmm. such as Elvira and Commander USA, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, Joe Bob Briggs yeah. and MST3K, can do we need to rank them as separate versions, or do the hosts not really add to the film itself? Ooh, that is, that's actually an outstanding question, uh, especially because with MST3K, I feel like it would depend on the episode. Like, the yeah. MST3K episode about the final sacrifice is uh, perfect. And I feel like, yeah, yeah the, the episode in itself is enough of uh, a fucking wonderful thing to rank on its own merits instead of just being like, all right, so how do we feel about the final sacrifice? But, like, on other hands, you know, Mono's Hands of Fate, like, don't you think that <laughs> film kind of stands on its own? Or, like, you know, maybe is enhanced or more bearable. Oh, yeah. But, like, the film itself is what we could talk about. <laughs> Which I love that the guy who plays Manos uh, in, in the movie loved having been in that fucking movie, and he, like, wore that uh, sweet-ass robe with the handprint on it, like, every Halloween until he died. Um which I, I love knowing that. And I also love knowing uh, apparently that the uh, crew on Manos, the Hands of Fate hated working on that movie so much that they passive aggressively amongst themselves referred to it as Mangoes, the Cans of Fruit. <laughs> um, so, which is a weird, a weird uh, burn, but I, uh, I support it. So what have you been up to this week? So the thing that I've been... All right, so this morning, the thing that I've been following... There was a kerfuffle on Twitter uh, from a new, like, an, an emerging uh, sci-fi author who was picking a fight with Nora Roberts over, like, what she imagined to be pla- to be plagiarism because both of their works featured the phrase of blood and bone in it, which is also, like, a fairly common... I, that sounds like a typo-negative song. Um, it really I, does. Honestly, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um... The honestly, I feel like one of the biggest lessons uh, is do not fuck with romance Twitter. <laughs> like, I romance Twitter, they they terrify me. Like, I'm I'm I, I live in fear of the day that romance Twitter decides to pull my card and, uh, <laughs> and roast me for anything because it. I'm not going to recover from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna lie down and then never get back up again. Twitter's um, fucking so been... wild, man. Because there are so many sections of Twitter. That, like, I'm totally unaware of and constantly blundering through. Yeah. Honestly, I think one of the weirdest corners of Twitter for me is uh, role pl- wrestler roleplay Twitter. Oh, people where... that pretend to be wrestlers with Twitter accounts. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, you know, where they acknowledge in the thing, like, this is a roleplay account. And it'll just be, like, sort of, yeah, I'm just roleplaying uh, Dean Ambrose being fucking buck wild on Twitter. And it's like... I don't know, like, now, and and here's here's the thing. I um, was on way too much AOL ride-in fantasy chat back in the day to, like, make fun of anybody for doing roleplay anything, but I don't know, like, there's 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 something about specifically wrestler roleplay Twitter that, it's a bad part of town. There's just, there's something unholy about it. And maybe it's because these are legitimate, real people. Like, obviously, Dean Ambrose is not is a character, and, like, John Good is a guy who exists in real life, but... See, what's I... wild is John Good sounds like the fictitious character. Because <laughs> who the fuck <laughs> names a child John Good? Oh, shit, I just realized. Johnny B. Good. 
he could, yeah. Which also makes me think of the fact that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's real name is Richard Blood. His <laughs> name is Dick Blood, and he's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which is just... How see, is just Dick Blood so never cast in a Beelzebub uh, video? <laughs> Fucking Beelzebub. There's a sign near where I work for uh, uh, this guy uh, called Bill Bloodgood. <laughs> and every single day I just look at it and I'm like... I love also that it's such a great illustration of, like, it's not pronounced blued good or blood good. Like, it's just two O sounds with the English language is terrible. So what have you been up, like, what, what ghoul shit have you been uh, involving yourself uh, with this week? So I've been uh, watching Mondo Macabro movies, and um, also I got the, uh, I got out my Mill Creek uh, releasing copy of kung fu zombies and i rewatched kung fu from beyond the grave and ryan it is the greatest movie of all time i cannot stress to you a move so wait so the name of the movie is kung fu from beyond the grave yeah because it's a movie where a kung fu fighter is trying to find seek revenge uh and black magic Taoist priests are resurrecting zombies to fight kung fu and the sun has a ghost army and also mm. literal dracula <laughs> comes to the aid of um of the the Taoists to fight wait a- actual dracula ass dracula actual dracula ass dracula is summoned with a literal wad of hundred dollar bills set on fire and they what? conjure Dracula and he comes what? and fights them and they build a cross except he kung fu breaks the wood in half so they can't <laughs> fight him holy shit so what you're what you're saying to and me he is that ghost blood <laughs> so what you're saying to me is that at some point on this podcast we are talking about and ranking kung fu from beyond the grave yeah, it's amazing. It's also on oh YouTube. Uh, I highly recommend you buy the Mill Creek DVD because that's just one of seven kung fu horror movie, <laughs> kung fu zombie movies that are in existence. And that's not even the tip of the iceberg. There's tons more than just those seven. But uh, oh. they're really fucking good. Um, it's also, so good. they're dubbed. And, and I'm a big fan of... Um, the 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 voice acting of the 80s which mm-hmm. tangentially is also the voice acting of the inheritors where everyone sounds like the guys that did um akira <laughs> right everybody sounds like this and they're all talking like this all the time i just... swear to you i do not know his name but the teenager in the inheritors on this new mondo macabre release mm-hmm. is the same voice as Kaneda. Oh my god. Honestly, that's there's uh, a place in Nashville, um, I think it's a restaurant called Akira, and every single time we would drive past it, just, Tatsuo Kaneda! Like, until we had passed the building. Hey, like, uh, can I tell you how happy I am that I didn't follow through my teenage uh, idea to name my firstborn Kaneda? <laughs> Oh, fuck. Well, the problem is that if you had named your firstborn Kaneda, you would have to name your secondborn Tetsuo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's, you're contractually out, like, you can't just, you can't start it and not finish it. It's like if you had named one of them Inuyasha, you would have had to name the next one Kagome. <laughs> <laughs> 
in perpetuity shouting each other's names across a forest at each other. Ryan, um, why are we like this? That's a great question. And oh, I, I know. See, I know why. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is gonna be on Netflix. I'm so hyped oh, about that. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy. Honestly, and I am so ashamed to say in that clip the fan service uh, jumpsuit <laughs> jiggle when they oh. cinch the the jumpsuits up. It's it's exquisite. I honestly I feel like I've got the phrase uh, Shinji get in the fucking robot like etched on my brain from being in fandom in the early two thousands. Like there's I feel like I don't and and of course I would say this because it was my particular scene. I feel like being a fucking anime dweebus circa two thousand two is such a pungent and particular time and place. Um, that's sort of impossible to, like, I, I don't know, like, I watch, because I still watch a, a, a lot of anime now, but it's, it's a different thing than it was. See, I miss Japanimation, which is such <laughs> a, like, obtuse uh, way to say, but, like, what I want is, like, Lily Cat Sci-Fi mm -hmm. Channel when it was SCIFI Saturday Anime Caliber Traumatize You Never Sleep Again Anime. Oh yeah, honestly, so basically like, anything from the year nineteen eighty six. Yeah, I, which also was weird on this podcast, specifically going back and doing Vampire Hunter D, because that was one of the first anime I ever like. That was the first anime I ever like watched. Yeah, that uh, was the a, first anime I answered a personal ad in the newspaper to buy a VHS copy <laughs> of from a guy's. Uh, I met a guy. With my dad drove my eighth grade ass to some dude's house in the county, not even in the city limits, just out in the county, and I went into his rec room and opened his closet and picked <laughs> MD Geist and Vampire Hunter D and Akira on VHS with those little not for children frowny face stickers on them and paid that man a crisp twenty dollar bill. Oh my god. Quincy, we are we are like 20 years removed from having gotten stabbed like Bruiser Brody style in a in a mall parking lot over like an anime tape deal gone bad. Like god bless the internet for saving our lives because it would still be us going like, well, I really want the mutilator on VHS, but oh, I don't know. This guy, he seems he seems trustworthy and then just like getting made into a wind chime by some guy like you know, I, I wish I'd say I'd learn better, but I cannot tell you how many times I have DM'd someone on Instagram my mailing address for a zine or a sticker. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually... Now, there's I a movie... have not learned any internet safety in my life. See, this is... This makes me think of... Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Fender Bender, um, which is a horror movie that was meant to be like a throwback 80s horror movie that I think should have been really good and I didn't really stick the lighting and it wasn't very good. But the idea is that like uh, this person at the beginning of the thing gets into a Fender Bender with a guy and they exchange information and then because they exchange information, the guy follows them back to their house and it's a standard slasher movie oh so it's uh, it's like creep but not good it's it's like creep but not good exactly right uh, or like creep too but <laughs> significantly not as good man creep too is a fucking masterpiece but like I, so I i went to the premiere of this movie in la uh and there was a uh a q, a q and a afterward with the the writer director and immediately the guy justified because I, I i had watched this and was like i promise you 
the hook for this movie came after the writer got into a car wreck, exchanged information, and thought, oh man, I just gave this person my address. Sure hope they're not a psycho killer. And legitimately, that was the first question somebody asked, and he was like, yeah, that's where I got the idea for the movie. So, yeah, exchanging information, not a great idea. So let's talk about Son of Dracula. Holy shit. All right. Okay. This movie, right. scroll to the bottom of the list. This movie is <laughs> fucking garbage. No, so, all so right. you know so the problem with Son of Dracula? It's Son of Dracula? No, it's that no one was man enough to stand up to Ringo Starr and say, hey, don't spend your money on this. Right. Like, you've got crazy Beatles money, and let's face it, you're the guy who was lucky he got invited to the party with the Beatles. So maybe just, you know, hang out for a while. Don't don't feel the need to do anything creative because you're Ringo Starr. Like, this, first of all, it didn't have the gumption to do that, and it didn't have the gumption to name this movie Rockula. Yeah. Or, like, so, I, it, okay, all right. So for those of our listeners who may not have um, seen Son of Dracula, which is all of you, and was also me until yesterday, um... Holy shit. How do we synopsize Son of, Son Dracula, of Dracula is a Ringo Starr produced Harry Nilsson starring rock opera about the son of Dracula named it Countdown who is trying to decide if he wants to be a human or a Dracula. He's the final countdown. Yeah, he's the final countdown and he's got to um, decide if Van Helsing is going to turn him into a human, or Count um, Frank, Count Baron von Frankenstein is going to turn him into a Dracula. Now, this God, movie I, does I fucking hate this movie because that <laughs> should be a good movie. Now, and here's the thing: uh, this movie should be the greatest movie ever made because it has Victor Frankenstein as a character, it has Dracula as a character, it has Merlin as played. <laughs> By Ringo Starr? With the longest (laughs) spirit gummed on his face beard you can imagine. Yeah, he looks like he looks like he was attacked by somebody with spirit gum and like fake snow, and he's just like, Yeah, I'm fucking Merlin. And it's like, okay, so Harry Nilsson, who um I had only remembered Harry Nilsson from the fact that Nikki Six from Motley Crue mentioned having met Harry Nilsson in rehab. So that was where I knew Harry Nilsson from. Apparently he was like a big rock guy in the seventies cocaine what the fuck ever and and you know yeah. this was all paid for out of pocket because the largesse in this movie of you know let's cast ourselves as cool immortals and we'll play a song in a club and i'll walk around <laughs> london aimlessly and um like the mansion is clearly ringo Starr's house yeah, this could. Yeah, this was legitimately. It could not more obviously be Ringo Starr's house, and it could not more obviously be. Um, these are just my friends, and I'm not actually paying them. They just don't have anything to like. Like, okay, so uh, son of Dra- the 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 titular son of Dracula has a band, and the people in this band are John Bonham, John motherfucking Bonham, Led Zeppelin, and fucking just like I think there's a Rolling Stone in the mix. Yeah, like, and and the bummer is the songs aren't even good. Uh, Harry oh, Nilsson songs. Bad. They're B sides that they they released a soundtrack for this, and mm-hmm. I don't think it sold a whole lot of copies. I can't yeah. fathom it doing well. 
Yeah, Harry Nelson did a, a, an album called Son of Nelson, I think it was. Frampton um, Alive, it is not. <laughs> yeah, Frampton, yeah, listen, Frampton Comes Alive is like uh, at least three tiers above. Now, all right, so so the, the plot of the movie insofar Which as is there is... Which is better, a, Elvira, <laughs> Mistress of the Dark, or Frampton Comes Alive? Oh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, don't even worry about it. Which is better, Reanimator or Cheap Tricks Live at Budokan? <laughs> um, the, the, the thing is, Cheap Trick Live at Budokan, if it were a film, would be number one on this list. And every episode, I would just talk about how much I love it. Um, Which is better, open up and say, <laughs> ah, or... One yeah, drive. so Axis, Axis Bold is loved by Jimi Hendrix or Audition. <laughs> Um, God, uh, this fucking, I hate this movie. So the, the plot of the movie, uh, insofar as one could be gracious enough to describe anything approaching a plot for Son of Dracula from 1974, is, uh, so, uh, literal Dracula has a son who kills Dracula, and it's played by, they're played by Harry Nelson. And oh, I'm then sorry, Nelson... Ryan, you missed the beginning of the movie. It's a murder mystery, because Dracula, mm. who is Nosferatu, is killed by a first-person uh, vampire hunter who is holding right. the film camera, who is, spoiler alert for this movie that's older than the fucking hills, uh, is Victor von Frankenstein. Outstanding. Which also, uh, this this came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. God wanna... damn it! I'm just so angry oh. <laughs> that these guys had the audacity to say we're British. The British made Hammer Horror. We can do better than that, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, this is uh, this movie is Purple Rain, but for Hammer for stoned Hammer Horror fans because it's like it's sort of like a glorified music video in the way that purple rain is a glorified music video, but also purple rain is a masterpiece and beyond reproach. And this is the worst thing I've ever seen is the main difference. Okay. So here's a question that I wonder is integral. So mm -hmm. vampires are textbook sexy. Yes. I think Harry Nilsson is a weird fuzz man. He he looks like a dust bunny in a coat. Like he, he looks he, like he 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 looks dusty. Like and I don't... his teeth are too far together. So when he puts his vampire teeth on his canines, which would normally be, you know, I'm no Da Vinci, uh, no Vitruvian man here. But normally your canines like fall under your eyes. But basically, his canines <laughs> line up under his nostrils because he's got a weird squish mouth. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Boston Terrier, <laughs> like, uh, like a like a Boston Terrier that rolled under the couch and they stuck him in a cravat and a and a, and a cape. And they were like, "All right, so you're Dracula, or 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 a Dracula now, lol." Um, and yeah, so uh, Harry, so Harry Nelson is a Dracula who uh, he falls in love with a, a human woman and decides that he wants to not be a Dracula anymore. Um, now, this movie also... All right, so the fact that it's fan, it's rock star fan fiction featuring Victor von Frankenstein and also Merlin, like, this reminds me of one of the things I appreciate about Penny Dreadful, which is that show is uh, permanently on its bullshit because it's like, look... I know that Frankenstein was written during the like during the early uh, 19th century, and that the Victorian period started way later. Uh, he's on this show because 
fuck you. We want Frankenstein hanging out. Well, um, to be fair, and, and this is where I get into my pedantic, uh, you know, literature background, mm-hmm. uh, Shelley did re-release Frankenstein as sort of a cash grab in 1830, which right. is a little bit more Victorian. Um, I would argue that, although most people will tell you that the 1818 version of Frankenstein is better, um, mm-hmm. I would say 1830 is a more interesting text because that's where you get all the weird psychoanalytical um, Victor dreams that um, oh, yeah. his sister wife is, is his mother and is rotting <laughs> with worms. That's not in the original <laughs> version. So there is some... Um, stuff to delve into also that's after uh mary shelley's husband died and she's a single mom so there's kind of even more of this ambivalence in being a parent which is basically what frankenstein's about is uh frankenstein's a bad dad that's what that book's about yeah he fails it he fails at reproduction yeah he definitely he is pregnant with his sister cousin mother wife um yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah yeah honestly and, and honestly the, like the uh, the 1818 version of uh, Frankenstein is so much of it I feel like every time because I've reread it a few times um it is mostly Victor Frankenstein uh listening to Morrissey in the rain <laughs> being a fucking crybaby little weenie piece of shit and the the interesting bit of the novel is when the monster starts hanging out uh and I feel like the 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 re-release version it it sort of um it it sort of jumps right into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Victor von Frankenstein is uh, piss baby number one. Oh, fuck he, that guy. Yeah. Also, shit. Here's the thing. All right, I know this is a tangent, but also I, I listen. I know we're well, not talking about problem. Son of Dracula. Well, here's the problem. This right is now. better than Son of Dracula. Yeah, exactly. Like I not to now. Here's the thing. Victor Frankenstein, uh, shit or get off the pot. Like, if you... So you've made an abomination and gone, Oh, Jesus! And then the monster's like, Hey, bro, um, just make me a companion so that I'm not alone anymore. Or, at the very minimum, give me a name. (laughs) Maybe give me a name, you deadbeat dad piece of shit. (laughs) And then... Uh, so Victor goes, all right, and makes uh, uh, a companion for the creature and then goes, No! And destroys it. And it's like, you... You child, you are so bad at doing mean science. Like, just make make a decision and go with that. So, son of Dracula, fuck. So, Victor Frankenstein in this movie is nowhere near as good as the original. Dracula is nowhere near as good as the original. There's a mummy that is really kind of a bit part. There's a weird uh, wolfman that... There's like a scene where... Uh, Harry Nilsson saves a girl from being attacked by a wolfman only to immediately drink her blood and then wolfman shows up in the next scene like they're pals mm-hmm. like they didn't just have a fight where Harry Nilsson like stabs the wolfman in the previous scene <laughs> also there are title cards for 30 minutes of time elapsed like there's a <sighs> later that night title card Oh my god. And it takes Your place movie in does not day. work if you have to say, hey, this happens later. Yeah, yeah, if you have to, like, clarify that. Now, this movie, honestly, you know what movie it mostly made me think of? Uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Here, That's like, very apropos. 
Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is so much better than this. And that is a crazy thing to say because it's Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. But there are bits of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park that are like hilarious because you get things like Paul Stanley saying, Ahoy, buckos, the ownership approaches. And it's like you get weird bits of that thing that are like it's Hanna-Barbera sort of uh, uh, cringe humor, a lot of it. And Son of Dracula is just a fucking slog. Yeah, it's a drag. The only thing that makes this movie work are it has real special effects because the whole thing is a boondoggle. It is Ringo Starr and Harry Nilsson trying to spend the most money physically possible on a Dracula movie. Yeah, and honestly, at that point, just, like, give your money away if you're going to sink it into some garbage. I'm shocked that there wasn't in the credits a, there were so many jobs created by this. (laughs) In fairness, we employed every dry ice technician on the eastern seaboard. (laughs) So, at least we did that. I honestly... All um, of Liverpool was paid to work on this movie. <laughs> it, yeah, we, we, we gave young men something to do after school to keep them out of trouble Trouble in Liverpool. Uh, this movie, the fact that Ringo Starr, apparently this movie was sort of buried for a long time because everybody was so embarrassed about it. Yeah, because... it got a video release and then it just was a, please, let's not talk about this anymore. Yeah, uh, apparently Ringo Starr had a VHS of this, like on his TV for years and never watched it because he could not bear to look upon it. Which, this is the guy who did Caveman with, like, uh, Randy, uh, not Randy, Dennis Quaid. Like, it's, oh, fuck, it is very bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, There is a cool animated bat transformation. Now, we, we here on the podcast are big supporters of bat transformations, so that's not for nothing. Yeah, like, and there's also some good zombies, but yeah, this movie is is is, is awful. Now, um, I and think also the, the, the intro, that, the intro song on this thing, I hate to say it, it does kind of slap. It, yeah, there the, some of the music is okay. Um, also, the, the channel with the ghouls in it is pretty great. Oh yeah, the ghoul channel. Holy shit, that was that was actually not bad. It kind of made me think of uh, Twenty Eight Days Later a little bit. Um, so yeah, like th- this movie, I feel like it's interesting mostly as a kind of rock star vanity project. I, I am a big fan of vanity projects from people with very stupid egos because I think it's beautiful to see like what happens when somebody is given full leeway to make the kind of movie that they want to make and the results are just fucking cat shit. So what's better? Uh, what's a better boondoggle? Uh, Michael Jackson's Ghosts or Ringo Starr's Son of Dracula? <laughs> Ooh, honestly, as boondoggles go, Michael Jackson's Ghosts is at least interesting in the regard that this is clearly Michael Jackson's comment on the way he's viewed in the public eye. Yeah. Like... It's, it's interesting as a sort of biographical historical document. Although I guess also technically the same thing could be said about Son of Dracula, maybe? I mean, yeah, but like who gives a shit about Harry Nilsson? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, no one. No one gives a shit about Harry Nelson. And also, this Our movie apology isn't... to the listeners out there who love <laughs> Harry Nelson. <laughs> There's, like, one Harry Nelson super fan listening just going, like, you rotten sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you keep Harry Nelson's name out of your goddamn mouths. So, um, now, I think I'll... All right, so the question that I have, if we're going with Frankenstein properties, 
Uh, which also, good on I, Frankenstein, for having jumped up the list from the last movie on the list to number 320 out of 333. I, Frankenstein, started from the bottom, and now it's here. <laughs> <laughs> it started from the bottom, and now it's in 320th. Um, I feel like, okay, so if we're scrolling to the bottom of the list, let's start with the last movie on this list. Let's talk about the worst movie we have done so far, which is number 333, The Night of Something Strange. So the reason why Night of Something Strange is at the bottom of the list is I think it is detrimental to society. Yeah, it is it, actively harmful. It is toxic masculinity. It is misinformation about the mechanics of both sexually transmitted diseases and zombies. Uh, <laughs> and, and just frankly, like, really unenjoyable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nothing, not not a single thing about it that I that is redeemable in any any way. Now, by that metric, for the fact that Night of Something Strange is something that I cannot name a single thing that is good or redeemable about it. At least Son of Dracula has Ringo Starr and a funny beard. Yeah, for sure. That's that's not for nothing. Uh, now, he. He's clearly very confused and does not know where he is half the time, and he's wearing a big fucking stupid beard, and I I have nothing to back this up, and I, I could not, uh, if, if somebody uh, put a giant lamp in front of my face, like, uh, tw- you know, 1930s cop interrogation style, I could not tell you why, but I want to fight Ringo Starr. I want to best him in combat, and I want to beat him. I contend that the answer is Son of Dracula. You might have always wanted to fight him, but the truth, if you search deep in your heart, <laughs> it's because you knew by cultural osmosis that Son of Dracula exists. That's exactly right. Like, when I was 12 years old, I, I, or whatever, like, and I saw a picture of Ringo for the first time, my immediate reaction was, oh, I want to fight you. Like, and maybe just this movie is proof of the, the rottenness of Ringo Starr's heart. There, there is a story... Uh, if you Google it about, uh, if you Google Ringo Starr as an asshole, this person tells a story about when they met Ringo Starr, when they they were a kid and they loved Ringo. They were a huge Ringo Starr fan and they were backstage at a thing and, you know, they loved the Beatles and they got to meet Ringo. And they were like, you know, sort of babbling in a little kid voice like, oh shit, Ringo Starr, I'm a huge fan of yours and you're really important to me. Could I, could I take a picture with you or something? And Ringo Starr lets out a noise like a Muppet laugh and then leans down and makes eye contact with this small child and just says, no, and then walks away. <laughs> and apparently Julian Lennon was nearby and like comforts this kid and is, and is basically like, he does this all the time. Like he doesn't, he does not like kids. Um, so Ringo Starr is a bastard man. Yeah. Yeah. So above my something strange is a cluster of just technically inept films. Yeah, technically inept, sloppy, but not, like, like philosophically poisonous. Yeah, yeah. Now, I would contend that Son of Dracula is most like Grimewave Cockface 3, the pornography film that they couldn't <laughs> get a porn distributor for, so they went horror instead. Well, Grimewave Cockface 3 at least has cool cover art. Yes, but it also has actual Nazis that are... Uh, yeah. So, so, 
there's a bit fair. of it with the, the the swastika flag that's barely covered up because clearly this is a bunch of Atlanta punk rockers and they were like, well, we're filming over at my friend Jerry's house, but he doesn't want to take his Nazi flag down. Yeah, yeah let's. Hey man, it you just gotta leave that up. Did you notice the Ku Klux Klansmen in the um the crypt scene? What? So history's no. greatest monsters assembled, and who is walking around with vampires <laughs> and Draculas but the Ku Klux Klan? The Klan is basically some Draculas. That's, yeah, you you start naming, like, that, oh, Jesus. Is it, like, subtle, or is it... No, it's straight-up white hood Klansmen walking <sighs> around. It's a bad bake, Mary Berry. Um... That's very bad. So, Grime Wave Cockface 3, I feel like I want to put that above Son of Dracula. Oh, for sure. Um, now, all right. So, uh, uh, going by um, a, a movie that we love clearly very, very much, I, Frankenstein, I would say I do think this is probably... It's probably better than Son of, uh, Son of Dracula. I think... The, the bottom of this for me, the movie that I think Son of Dracula is definitely better than is Wolf Creek 2. Okay, why do you think Wolf Creek 2 is better, is, is not as good as Son of Dracula? Um, I think it's because Wolf Creek 2 and really Wolf Creek 1 and Wolf Creek the TV series and anything else related to this fucking shit show of a garbage premise, um, it should be good because it should be... Uh, Mick, uh, Mick from Wolf Creek is the spirit of Australia's xenophobia because he clearly doesn't like non-Australians and he likes to kill them. Like, it could be something interesting or something worthwhile. Like, Son of Dracula, I wasn't expecting a lot from because it's Rockstar's making a movie and classically Rockstar's are fucking garbage at it. But <laughs> Wolf Creek 2, I feel like, listen, you've got, um an actor who's clearly having a fucking great time playing this character and it should be great and it just squanders the shit out of it. Um, I think at the very least Son of Dracula has a cool intro theme and Wolf Creek 2 is just fucking shit. Yeah, so between um, Wolf Creek 2 and Gasly's, which I would argue is better because puppets, oh, yeah. is E-Demon. <sighs> I think feel like this is probably better than e-demon yeah because e-demon is literal dead skype call for like five <laughs> minutes of that movie e-demon is a uh third rate uh kirkland signature unfunded <laughs> <laughs> like it is uh, uh, obviously biting off a thing which honestly and uh, i you know i kind of stand for unfriended because i think it's really good um but yeah e-demon is the great value Unfriended and Son of Dracula is at least interesting as a cultural curio of like this is what happens when you give rock stars too much money. Speaking of Malto meal cereals, did you know you can buy just a bag of the marshmallows at like the Tractor Supply Company? Are you shitting? Like like marshmallow mateys? Just the marshmallows from that. Just the mateys themselves. Yeah. Just oh my the god. Mateys. I I shouldn't I shouldn't have this knowledge that you can just buy like dehydrated marshmallow bits because that's just me with a sack of marshmallow bits. Because you're gonna drive down. out to rural California to find a tractor <laughs> supply company to buy. Yes, See, this is and... what you miss when you move away from Middle America. <laughs> <It> is... 
is things like, listen, man, did you know that you can get one gross of marshmallow mateys listen, for nothing? The the market demanded a bag of marshmallows. <laughs> and See, this a, is... a cunning entrepreneur stepped up and said, we will be the suppliers. See, this is the thing. Uh, the, the invisible freehand of the market has given us two things. Nine children of the corn movies and a giant sack of malto meal marshmallow bits that you can buy with your own goddamn money. This just is we should not be given the freedom to do whatever we want. That's just we can't <laughs> we can't handle it. Now now you you don't understand. Now I just want like a kitty waiting pool full of marshmallow mateys. You could do it without incurring it. a significant uh <laughs> Yeah. Without alienating the well, okay, no, it would definitely alienate the people in my life, but at least it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't cost that much money. I yeah. could feasibly, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, God damn it, I, I don't trust myself. So the next movie we're talking about. So Son of Dracula uh, is number three twenty-five. In case anyone is following along with the numbers, the numbers like this podcast mean nothing to you. Oh, it's. Whose line is it anyway, but for horror movies? like <laughs> So, number 325, Son of Dracula, 1974. Um, bring me the skull of Ringo Starr, and I will drink coffee out of his fucking hollowed-out Ringo Starr head. Ryan, um, the next... scroll up, because we're talking about a Vinegar Syndrome movie. Fuck, yes we are. So, uh, the next movie we're talking about is a movie featuring... Uh, Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim, not the small, uh, consumptive Moppet. Tiny Tim, the weird owl lookalike with the creepy falsetto who does tiptoe through the tulips on a ukulele. Yeah, the guy whose novelty music career was waning in the 80s, so his publicist strong-armed a film director into casting him in this horror movie. And... Now, so, and you will note that if you Google Blood Harvest Tiny Tim, what will pop up is a picture of a scary fucking clown. Um, and this is apparently the only film Tiny Tim was ever in. Like, this is his sole acting credit. Well, I'm glad you brought Blood that Harvest. up because, first of all, this is like Vinegar Syndrome put so much love and effort into these things. They sent mm-hmm. us, uh, they sent me a copy of this to review. Um, it has an essay by tiny Tim's biographer, Justin a Martell. And it is the most in depth, uh, essay to a company of video release I've ever read. And it totally like reframes my, my view of the film. For example, mm-hmm. Tiny Tim was uh, screen test and um, auditioned for numerous horror films. He actually came up with the idea of, I have the body and looks of a Quasimodo, I should be in horror movies. <laughs> it's that kind of self-reflection that uh, I wish more people had. You right, know, right. Looking at, so, look, looking at yourself in the mirror and going, oh, I should be in horror movies. I'm fucking terrifying. Yeah, so the director of Blood Harvest was like, I'm booking a concert. And this guy's like, I'll give you Tiny Tim on the cheap if you also cast him in your next horror movie. Yeah, and so now, should we... Okay, my question. Should we spoil uh, this movie? No, because... Okay. Everyone needs to buy this. Also, uh, yes. Vinegar Syndrome, you know, is really notorious for these tricked-out slipcovers. Oh, and yeah. the illustration of uh, Tiny Tim's character, Mervo the Clown, is 
blood-curdlingly terrifying. Motherfucking Marvelous Mervo. And he... Now, obviously, the Insidious movies, I think... I, I give them credit for the fact that they completely understand that Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim is true horror. Yeah. Uh... The, I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I went to uh, Universal Halloween Horror Nights, and they had an Insidious uh, haunted house. And there's a bit of it where they're just blasting Tiny Tim as you're going through this room that's full of fucking Insidious goofsters. Um, honestly, tiptoe through the tulips, I can't name a single other Tiny Tim song. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard Tiny Tim, and you don't... and like. You're hearing us talk about it, and you're picturing a small um, wayfish Victorian who's going to die and teach someone the true meaning of Christmas. I'm begging you to YouTube, tiptoe through the tulips, Tiny Tim. Um, holy shit. And honestly, he commits to Marvelous Mervo the Clown so much. Here's the thing. The uh, role was rewritten after he showed up on set because of his own idiosyncrasies. Um because they shot on location at this farm in Wisconsin, the ground was really uneven. So um, the director, uh, Bill Rabane, saw that Tiny Tim was, like, stumbling. So he's just like, your character stumbles now. Oh, fuck. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and, like, uh, that circus outfit, that's just Tiny Tim's circus suit. He just owned that. <laughs> That was from his private selection of yeah, clown suits. Yeah, all of his clothes in this movie are just, he showed up with his own wardrobe. Holy shit. So, man, Tiny Tim, he was out here living that ghoul life well before he acted in Blood Harvest. Exactly. He's like uh, this genuine article of terror. Also, yeah. um, according to the essay that was included with this, um, the gore and nudity was not in the director's cut. It was all added to appease VHS distributors because this movie came out in 87, and that was the slasher boom. So it yeah. was actually a tasteful, reserved psychological thriller, and then they just put all of the titties and rape that you could possibly imagine in this movie. It it goes from, like, quirky and creepy to rapey real fucking quick. There is and actual on-screen rape. Yeah, and now, I, I, I hate to point this out, the gore in this is boring. Yeah. It's, um, now, and of course, if, they, if the I had to put in... the nudity in this is Oh, shocking. the nudity in this, it's, we're doing full frontal nudity. Yes. Like, in, in, which, by the way, here, don't juxtapose Tiny Tim, who is a clown, with nudity. And, and also, also a precious murder. angel who also really a precious... wanted... To, a precious angel that wanted to do so well that after every cut he said, Mr. Rubain, was that good? What do you think about this, Mr. Rubain? Can I do something oh. else? Oh, Tiny Tim. He deserved to be in a better movie. And he I... also recognized... It, one of the other features on this Blu-ray is an interview from 87 where people are asking him about, like, well, when is this movie coming out? He's like, I don't know when, but let me tell you, it's not going to go over well. Crit critics are going to butcher this thing. Oh, yeah. And, like, the, every murder in this movie is, like, somebody is suspended from the ceiling by their ankles and they get their throat cut. And then, and then pigs, because... And then pigs. Also, pigs, you kill a pig the same way. Yeah, and I honestly, like, to appease VHS distributors, 
I feel like, and now I don't know from trying to distribute a horror movie in 1987, but I feel like the hook of the movie is not, we've got full frontal nudity and gore in this movie. It's, we got Tiny Tim to play a scary clown. You should right. watch this. Right. It's it's like, who are the fools in, let's go back to 1987 and say, <laughs> you fools. It has Tiny Tim as a clown. You're, you're yeah. marketing the wrong aspect of this movie. Yeah, like what what unsanitary little fucking goblin would have looked at a horror movie featuring Tiny Tim as a scary clown and gone, oh, they don't have any titties. Like, no, come on. It's got, no, it's got scary No, no, my dude. Tiny Tim's teeth. <laughs> His teeth look like Werther's Originals. <laughs> they are... <laughs> they look like cigarette filters. They are harrowing. Uh, his teeth are honestly the scariest part of this movie. Like, I, I, anytime that he grins, and honestly, he, uh, Tiny Tim is a clown, I feel very tenderly toward Tiny Tim after watching Blood Harvest. Right, there's like a pathos in this movie that is like blindsidingly good. Yeah, like, and I did not see that shit coming because initially I was looking it up and was like, whoa, fuck me, they got Tiny Tim to be a creepy clown? All right, man, let's do this. And then I watched this and started getting legitimate feelings about Tiny Tim. I want to protect him. Yeah, yeah. He's very good in this movie. This movie He's is very good. good. It's, it is, I'm trying to figure out the way to describe Vinegar Syndrome's catalog because it is mm-hmm. this certain kind of magic. Yeah. And I'm not I honestly, just saying this because they gave me this free movie because... Uh, oh, for the, you better believe I spent an embarrassing amount of money on their Black Friday sale, uh, <laughs> and I'm waiting for my haul to come in. Listen, we would we would shell for Vinegar Syndrome anyway because we support what they do. Yeah, but it's like this this aesthetic of um, analog and just weird as fucking shit. Yeah, I, I would describe, like, I feel like so many of the Vinegar Syndrome releases that I've seen are, they're, they're gems that I'm quietly like, this movie was never that big, and I kind of get why that might be the case, but also this is so much more culturally interesting than, for example, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Like, I'm also baffled that they um, can can make a bottom line like i don't know much about the dvd uh home video industry uh by the way if you are uh in the video industry especially the 1980s video industry (laughs) email us we need to talk yeah it's it's a lot um and honestly this movie the tiny tim bits um it's sort of like the the horton's timbits Oh, oh, the ten bits. Yeah, you get you get a you get a six pack of ten bits. Um, they, I feel like I'm I'm anytime Tiny Tim as Mervo uh, as Marvelous Mervo is not on screen, I am waiting for Marvelous Mervo to be back on screen, and I'm furious that he is not on screen for the entirety of this film. I think the uh, the second tragedy besides Mervo not being on there enough is, um, Itonia Salchek, whose name was misspelled in the credits of the film. <laughs> Nice guys, well done. Good job. <laughs> this is the only movie she ever did. Oof. Oh, and she is boy. acting her little heart out. Um, uh huh. Oh, she's going for it. Everyone in this movie is trying so hard, 
and they have yeah. no idea that it is such a bad script. Man, that's I think that's why I love this movie so much is that I and and now this is uh, this is a problem of now Quincy and I'm sure you have had the, the same experience where because you're into um, either campy or sleazy or other Seven Dwarves as well uh, horror movies when people see a thing like Kung uh, Kung Fury they or Sharknado or something I feel like people um, very well meaning wonderful people in our lives will sometimes see a thing like Kung Fury and be like oh man Quincy slash Ryan is gonna love this. And they'll send it, and I and for me, I'm I'm always quietly sort of like, fuck this ironic fucking Sharknado ass shit. Yeah, like, give me the real deal. Give yeah, me give me the genuine death by temptation, the black exploitation yes. <laughs> horror movie, not this <laughs> With, hokey bullshit. Featuring Samuel L. Jackson, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's exactly right. Give me the genuine fucking article, like a movie like Sharknado or Kung Fury or those movies think they're too good for this shit like kung fury thinks it's better than cobra or you know on deadly ground or whatever garbage action movie which to be sure those movies are very bad and that's but also cobra is comparable because it's like this is a movie that is a vanity pro- it's it's sort of like son of dracula and that like it's a vanity project for sylvester stallone to like he had the freedom in the late 80s to make the movie that he wanted to make, and the problem is that it ended up being the movie Cobra. Yeah, the movie. It's you wonderful. ask Sylvester Stallone, well, what movie do you want to make? And he makes Cobra. <laughs> it's a movie about a cult of people who clank axes together, and that's what they do. That's um, like asking my son, well, what do you want to have for dinner? And he opts over um, bagel <laughs> bites instead of an actual, like, home-cooked meal. And he's like, I need a bushel basket of marshmallow bits that I got from Tractor Supply. Yeah, I'm like, and, hey, we're making baked potatoes with barbecue on them. Do you want one? <laughs> no, I better settle with this frozen bullshit instead. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the bagel bites. And so Blood Harvest, again, is the genuine fucking article. Like, it's everybody involved in the making of this film thought they were doing something. Like, they thought they were making that real shit. Yeah. And honestly, Vinegar Syndrome is, to me, like, I think Troma, which of course made Death by Temptation, I think at a certain point in maybe the 90s, they realized that that was their brand, was bad on purpose for the sake of being bad movies. And then they just started banging out, like, a series of crass, bad for the sake of being bad movies, and it's just joyless and rote and shitty. Uh, give me Blood Harvest featuring Tiny Tim as a scary clown any day of the week and twice on Sundays. And one last thing to say about Vinegar Syndrome is they're legitimate archivists. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is less, you know, commercially successful as, you know what, all of this porn, all of the 16mm pornography and exploitation and weird regional horror needs to be preserved. So we're going to yes. scan it to a better quality so that we don't lose it. Yeah. Which my ghoulish little heart, you know, it, it warms the, the cavity where my heart uh, may have, may or may not have once been. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. I, that's, and I, I, th- I think especially, uh, in 2018, when everything is going over to digital, and now I am no luddite. I, I I have I subscribe to way too many streaming services, but I'm a big fan of physical media for the fact that 
I've I've done like two moves in the last uh, year, and or y year ish, and I really like physical media because sometimes you move into a place and you don't have the internet or you know, you're broke and you can't afford the internet. At least you can have a physical copy of the thing you want to watch. And also there's something weird about the ownership of digital media because, again, when you when you uh, buy a thing like music from iTunes, you're not actually buying an album. You're buying the ability to access the album and you don't actually own it. Yeah. And I think Vinegar Syndrome, again, I'm. this isn't an anti-streaming uh, like screed. This is a, I like streaming and also physical media. And Vinegar Syndrome, again, as archivists, like the fact that they're taking stuff like The Mutilator or Blood Harvest and making, and, you know, adding not only, not only a physical copy of the thing, but like you said, a booklet with interviews and information about the making of the thing and stuff that you can't necessarily find if you're just looking up a shady putlocker link of the movie so i think blood harvest might be my favorite vinegar syndrome release to date at least that we've done on the show so is it better or worse than the hearse the movie about how all of the townsfolk are shitty dudes yeah that movie really is about like we're just going to gaslight you and follow you around with a hearse. But also, guess it what? Takes, also ghosts. It takes a village to gaslight a grieving widow. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's that classic phrase. Uh, is, I honestly, I feel like between the two, I, oh, I got to go with uh, the hearse. Okay, okay. I've got to go with Blood Harvest because okay. the hearse doesn't really click until the final reel. Whereas... Mm. Blood Harvest starts with Tiny Tim singing in that creepy falsetto dress as a clown. Oh, yeah. We're off to the races. He's singing a song about being Marvelous Mervo, and you're just like, well, I don't know what this movie's about, but I am... Uh, I've been rewatching season three of Hannibal. I am enchanted and terrified. <laughs> like it is, it starts out fucking great. Uh, yeah, actually, you're you're completely right. That is that is better than the hearse. It is absolutely not better than the Fly by Cronenberg. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, however, I do think it's better than Creep. Yeah, I think it's better than Creep as well. And maybe time will will change my mind about that, but. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's pretty damn good. Um, yeah. I also this is heretical. I'm gonna say it's better than Tales of Terror. Ooh, all right. Why is that? Okay, so like B string Vincent Price is not as good as A game Tiny Tim. Oh yeah. Because yeah. because Tales of Terror has Peter fucking Laurie not trying yeah it wait it's a waste of peter laurie and vincent price which is just genuinely unforgivable yeah whereas Shit. tiny tim is trying so hard in this man everyone in this is trying and especially tiny tim like they there's something so fucking endearing about a movie like this where everybody is it's very the script is very bad and everybody is doing their best. And that's, yeah, that's way better than Vincent Price and Peter Laurie sort of barely showing up to work that day and falling asleep. And to be fair, I think the script is very bad because it is a, um, it's a slasher movie, and they literally, in 87, 
you know, their template was Friday the 13th. So they said, oh, you don't need a script. You just need eight set pieces of gore and sex. Man, you know what it is? It's uh, a, it's a fucking tragedy that Blood Harvest was made in 1987 and not 2016. Yeah. Like, if it had been made in 2016 and been made available either uh, in sort of small theaters or VOD release or something, it could have been the fucking art house film that was meant to be. Right, because it's about economic anxiety and generational trauma. Yes! What is more 2018 than economic anxiety (laughs) and generational trauma? Oh my god, yeah. Like, that's actually, yeah, I bitterly regret this was made in the wrong fucking time period. Um, so yeah, too, so I feel really too good about soon. That. Yeah, too soon. So yeah, so uh, coming in at our new uh, 136 above Tales of Terror and below uh, Ryan Prow's Low Life is Blood Harvest, featuring Tiny Tim as Marvelous Mervo. Man, that guy Fuck. died while singing "Tiptoe Through the Tulips." That honestly, it, that that is gonna haunt me. Having learned that that he died mid performance on tiptoe through the tulips, because again, him trying so hard, he didn't want to disappoint his fans. Fuck. He was like, you know, I don't really feel like doing the show tonight, but people <laughs> have traveled all this way to see me, so I better go ahead and do it. Man, I would die on a battlefield for Tiny Tim, like. Precious baby angle, Tiny Tim, honestly. Um, man. Shit, man. So, yeah. So, uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us online? We are on just about every social media platform. We're on uh, Twitter, at Rank and Vilecast. We're on Instagram, at Rank and Vile. We're on YouTube, at Rank and Vilecast. <laughs> We're on Tumblr, at Rank and Vile. We have an ask box on our Tumblr where you can send us movie requests. Uh, we're planning a all-request episode soon, so get those in as soon as you can. Um, that's rankandvile.tumblr.com, and you just submit that in the ask box. If you are a filmmaker and you want us to review your film... Uh, or if you're a creator and you have some ghoul shit you want us to talk about, or if you just want to say hi, shoot us an email at rankedvilecast at gmail.com. Ryan, tell our listeners about Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, on, so Letterboxd, we, uh, at Just Rank and Vile, um, you can find not only a full version of the list, which now is up to 335 goddamned films, uh, Who hurt got, us? Oh my god, this is the life we've chosen for ourselves. I feel like by the time we do the episode where we're marking our 1,000th film, it's going to be three minutes long, and it's just going to be us sobbing <laughs> into a hot pocket. <laughs> and just and then saying the title of the film and being like, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, and then silence for, for <laughs> 57 minutes. Um, but yeah, so at uh, Just Rank and Vile Letterbox, you can find that. You can find uh, different stuff like horror movies that you can watch with your mom, um, movies in the Sam Neill loses his shit genre, which is a crucial and important genre of horror. Um, and I honestly, I, I, I love, Quincy, I love Letterboxd so goddamn much because it's it's this medium where um, user-submitted reviews of horror films are so fucking funny, and you get to see what people actually care about. Because I feel like with Rotten Tomatoes, which obviously Rotten Tomatoes is just an aggregator, but I feel like we sometimes miss out on things. Uh, like, I think my favorite letterbox list of all time is just a list called She Did That. And it's uh, movies like Gone Girl, 
and it, it's yeah outstanding um basic instinct so yeah letterboxd uh, letterboxd letterboxd at just rank and vile uh we're on itunes we're on stitcher we are uh listen hey this is your this is your buddy ryan talking if you enjoy the show you should consider going on to itunes and leaving a five-star review or whatever star review i guess you think we've earned and if you're you know, on stitcher you can give us that little thumbs up if you're yeah. on um if you're on Podbean, leave us a comment. We'd love oh, yeah. to hear what you actually think on the comment section of that website. Give us a follow. Um, and, you know, word of mouth is kind of nice, too. Oh, I was listening to the radio today, and iHeartRadio has a podcast contest. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't not win best podcast and we should get invited to, yeah yeah so um <laughs> if we could get a, a letter writing campaign in um yeah. yeah that'd be pretty cool it would it would be ideal um but yeah that's uh, about all i got you got anything else that's it uh stay spooky later folks <laughs>